Coming up, I'll share a bit of my conversation with leadership expert Jocko Willink on motivating teams. And then an expert says that American CEOs are failing their workers right now. We'll break that down and more next. Welcome to the Ken Colbert Show, where we help you win at work so that you can win in the rest of your life. And we're going to talk about leadership in this show because there is an increasing divide among expectations as it relates to a leader's expectations in the workforce and the worker's expectations in the workforce. We'll break that down throughout the program today. Going to be really, really good stuff. Very valuable stuff for leaders. Uh, and, and for those of you that are following a leader that you might go, okay, I, th- this might not get better. And maybe I should do something about it. I mean, that that's that's the conclusions that we'll walk away with. Leaders will walk away with, okay, I now know what matters most in my leadership role. And those of you who are not in a leadership position, you know what you need to be looking for in a leader. Uh, so uh, for years, I hosted the Entree Leadership Podcast and and still speak at all of our Entree Leadership events, which is the Leadership Division of Ramsey Solutions. And so uh, I'm going into the vault today, uh, for just a, a short clip, about two minutes and 30 seconds, with leadership expert Jocko Willink, a former Navy SEAL. This is a man who has led SEALs and led SEALs in combat, and he's become one of the foremost voices on leadership in the business world today. And I had the great privilege of sitting with him. And and what we're going to talk about today is buy-in. Uh, I, I, it, how do you get buy-in? And we're going to walk into that. But first, I want you to just hear a little bit of my conversation with Jocko Willink. Watch this. I want to talk about a very important leadership issue, and that's buy-in. You know, we, obviously, we think of Jocko Willink and, and and the other leaders on your team as having combat experience, and people's lives are on the line is what you're talking about with with your experience. But I think leaders everywhere are going, boy. I tell you what, I I I just don't have the buy-in that I need. How do you take that on from your perspective? How do you get buy-in across the board? Yeah, this is something that people struggle with all the time. And actually, the answer is surprisingly simple. And that is, if if you want your team to buy in, let them come up with a plan. Let them do the creative process. Let them let them buy into something that they made up. So, you know, for instance, Ken, if, if we were going to run a, a project or, or let's say a mission, some kind of a tactical mission, and I said, okay, Ken, I'm your boss. This is the target you've got to hit. This is the people I want you to take. These are the vehicles I want you to use. This is the route I want you to take in. This is how I want you to take down the building. This is the route I want you to use back here. If I gave you the whole plan, well, who, whose plan is that then? Mm, yeah, it's yours. Who's, it's my plan. So even though you know I want you to buy into my plan, it, it's my plan. So you might you get out there in the field and and now you hit an obstacle, whatever it is. There's something comes up. And, and how motivated are you really to overcome that obstacle if you're dealing with my plan, which, by the way, you might hold a little bit of a, of a resent me because I'm sure. forcing this plan down your throat. So now you hit your first obstacle and you the first thing you do is go, oh, look, Jocko didn't think of this in his plan. See, his plan wasn't good. I'm just going to go back to base without completing the mission. And then you come back to base and you say, hey, Jocko, you had a bad plan. You should you should have listened to me. So how do I get you to get by him? I say, hey, Ken, it, here's the target we want to hit. Can you come up with your best plan? Let me know what you want to do and how you want to execute it. Now you go to your team, your team and you get together. You come up with a plan that you created and you bring it back to me. And, and maybe I got to adjust it a little bit. Maybe I make some, some, some small corrections to what you've got. But broadly, it's your plan. And now when you go out in the field, 
it's your plan. You're completely bought in because you created it. And what happens when you hit an obstacle? You either go over the obstacle, around the obstacle, or you go through the obstacle. And and that's the way you create buy-in. And it's all right. Good stuff there from Jocko Willing, best-selling author and uh, widely renowned speaker. He's got a great podcast. And that was me asking him about buy-in. Now, I love his answer. Let's just quickly review that, break it down. His answer to buy-in, and I completely agree, is ownership. Ownership. In other words, he said, let them come up with the plan. So now this takes a lot of trust. This takes a lot of character from a leader to go, all right, I'm going to go to my team, and here's what we need to accomplish. I got my input, but I want their input. And let's come together and and let them have some ownership in it. So his way of saying it was, look, let them come up with a plan. And in other words, when you allow your team leaders to weigh in with their opinion, they are seen, they are heard. Huge. Huge. For getting buy-in. Because what's happening is they feel seen, they feel heard, they know you value them. You value their talent. You value their opinion. You value their time. You, you want them to get involved. You have just as much voice in it, leaders, as everybody else. Uh, I don't think he Jocko is saying in that situation they 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 act autonomously. At times, yes. After feedback, and we all come together, we go, "This is where we're going." So I love his answer. And, and for years, I worked with John Maxwell, who wrote the book, The 21 Laws of Leadership. And the 14th law of the 21 is called the law of the buy-in. And 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 breaking this down, people need to buy into you before they buy into your vision. And this is where a lot of leaders miss the point. They, they, they get off kilter, and they sometimes never recover it. Uh, we see this in politics, by the way. Sports. The business world, when leaders try to get people to buy into a vision, but not buy into them, they're always going to miss the mark. People must buy into you before they buy into your vision. Let me give you a recent example. And I didn't tell Alex I was going to do this. I just thought of it. But Alex, let me tell you where this is happening right now in the headlines. Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis. Now, don't get nervous because this is a political segment. This is an actual example of what I'm talking about. Here's a guy who wants to be leader of the free world. Had a lot of hype uh, coming out of Florida. Uh, about a year ago, he was actually ahead in the polls in Trump, and a lot of people said run, and he ran. And let me tell you what's going on with Ron DeSantis. And I'm not knocking him. I'm just This is an observation. Ron DeSantis did not understand the law of the buy-in. He ran on a vision. I'm not saying it was a good vision, bad vision. Everybody relax. I'm not endorsing anybody. I'm just saying he has only run on a vision, a a platform of what he's going to do. And you know why he's not winning? The voters haven't bought into him. The person. He's awkward. This is widely reported. I watched the debates. He's awkward. Look, I'm just saying You look at sports teams. Nick Saban goes to the Miami Dolphins after being wildly successful in college football. Michigan State, um, LSU wins a national championship. He goes to the Miami Dolphins. Fails. Why? 
because if the players aren't going to buy into Nick Saban, the man, they're not going to buy into his vision for the program and how he wants to run the team. Folks, it happens to the best of them. Nick Saban's the, arguably the greatest football coach of all time. So the law of the buy-in. People must buy into you, the person, before they buy in your vision. And a lot of leaders mess up when they go in and they've got a pretty decent vision. you got the bells and the whistles and the PowerPoint and all that kind of stuff. And, and people are going, okay, sounds good. But if I don't buy into you, I can't buy into your vision. And they're not saying that outwardly, but that is the natural psychology. By the way, you know why parents can get kids to do things that no one else can? Because the kid has bought into the parent. They know mom and dad love them. They know that they've got their back. Teacher can't get a kid to do something. Kid hasn't bought into the teacher. Coach can't get a player to do something. He hasn't bought into you. I'm just going to tell you. Right or wrong, buy-in is everything when it comes to leadership. And it, it comes down to two things. How you value people and then how you cast vision. But leaders flip that. They go, it's all about my vision, and, and then, oh, yeah, I want to value people. No. Buy-in is about valuing people. So if you're a new leader, you better spend your first 30, 60, 90 days overwhelmingly focused on valuing your team and your people. Because when they know that you care for them, and you know they know that you value them, then they trust you, and now they've bought into you. Now they'll go, okay, you're, you're, you're casting a vision for a future that is unknown. I know you say this is where we're going to go. You say this is how we're going to get there. But at the end of the day, I don't know if we're going to get there. But I'll follow you if and only if I trust you. People must trust you. They must know that you value them before they'll ever think about following a vision. That's just the reality. So the leadership game is simple. You want people to be fired up and engaged? Know that they need to know first that you care about them, that you value them, you think they've got something to offer, and you want them to collectively join you. You do that, leaders, and people will follow you to the gates of hell with a water pistol. I promise it works every time. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Be right back. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Don't we all need help being better? And they're great at it. You know, we all carry around a lot of stress from our family life and our professional life, and it can just hit us at the same time. Big stuff, small stuff. And we can talk to our friends, or maybe you have a great relationship with a leader at work or a coworker, but you may not feel comfortable telling them everything. I know I wouldn't. And when we keep things bottled up, it will eventually leak out, and it's really negative. But therapy, it's a safe space. To get everything off your chest with an unbiased professional and figure out how to work through the stuff that's weighing you down. So if you've thought of therapy before, you're thinking about it now, please try BetterHelp. Therapy isn't just for people who've gone through trauma. It's great to build skills, to become better personally and professionally. And BetterHelp is flexible enough to fit your busy schedule because it's completely online. All you do is fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. It's time to get stuff off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ken today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, 
H-E-L-P dot com slash Ken. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. Thrilled that you're with us. Okay, headline right here. Uh, we're going to stay on this topic of of people buying in and the uh, the growing divide between the American leader and the American worker. In my hands, I have a uh, article from CNBC. The title of the article: "American CEOs are failing their workers right now," says a Harvard expert. And and this is a bold statement. We are in a crisis of trust, and I think that's right. I don't think this is hyperbole. I think this is absolutely spot on. We have a crisis of trust in leadership in the global workforce, not just the American workforce. Uh, Sarah Sucher is a Harvard Business School professor who studies layoffs and trust. And she's the one that makes the bold statement, we're in a crisis of trust and leadership. Leaders of all kinds, she says, are failing some of the basic expectations that people have for how they should be treated. And this tension is now boiling over. And companies are trying to course correct uh, some of the mid-pandemic decisions. You have businesses that overhired uh, during that boom. Uh, they called it the, the great resi- resignation because people were leaving and, and, and leveling up financially and getting a better paying job. So businesses overhired, famously overhired. You have big-time tech companies over the last year and a half that have come out and said, we overhired and now we got to lay people off. And boy, oh boy, the stories were awful. People showing up to Microsoft, their fobs not working. You know, people getting emails uh, while they slept. You're no longer working for us. I mean, it's just craziness going on. And as a result, these stories are not only true, but they get magnified. And the lack of trust that people have for their leaders, the crack gets bigger and bigger and bigger because now they're worried, could this happen to me? If Microsoft will do it, if Salesforce will do it, if, you know, it could it happen to us. And, and all of a sudden that it's just fear on top of fear on top of fear. The past two years, uh, this is from Anthony Klotz, an associate professor of management at the University College of London. He's the one who coined the term the Great Resignation. This is what he said. The past two years revealed the leaders who are truly focused on the well-being of their workers versus the ones who are focused on the bottom line. And and this is absolutely true. Tiffany Kelly uh, is a leader who's trying to do this better. She's the CEO and founder of a fitness content startup. And uh, this is what she said. People want you to... She's talking about the leader. People want you to be as transparent as you can. Be emotional. Speak from your gut. People just don't want to be led astray or lied to. And that's absolutely true. So a couple things. Really good leaders listen as much as they speak, if not more. Really good leaders tell the truth. Even when it's not fun to tell the truth. Leaders tell the truth. Even when the truth sucks. Real good leaders, great leaders, real good leaders, great leaders. Listen. They pay attention. They don't just listen with their ears, they listen with their eyes. They watch the way people walk and act in a meeting. 
They are paying attention. They are not removed. They are engaged. That's the sign of a great leader. And and this crisis of trust can be fixed, but it is going to require tremendous intentionality on the part of leaders. And here's how you do it. Okay, just a basic, you want to create high trust in your organization. You want to create trust because listen, let me tell you something. Real leadership, which is John Maxwell defined it years ago, so I haven't heard anybody say it better. So I'm going to say it. Leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less, John Maxwell says. He's right. So influence, leadership, moves at the speed of trust. If your influence feels as though it's like paint drying, I can tell you, you are in a low trust situation. And you may have created it. You may have inherited it. It doesn't always mean that this is directly the, the uh, a result of what you have done. It may be what you inherited. It may be you're in middle management and the leadership above you and the organization has created an environment of low trust. What can you do about it? I want you to be thinking about this in terms of the people you lead. So if you lead a team of 12, you lead a team of 25, you lead a team of 250, you lead a team of 2,500. Despite what the trust level is throughout, <clears throat> excuse me, the entire organization, I believe that you as a leader and your team, you can create high trust on your team. And, and I say go for it because I believe if you were to establish high trust on your team, that other teams and the company as a whole could be infected by it. You know, we talk about infections and pandemics now like we never have before and everybody's so conscious of it, and it's always a negative. But, you know, it's what about a positive infection? Can I tell you that trust is infectious? Trust will spread like wildfire primarily because there's not a whole lot of trust in the in the workplace. So, how do we create trust? Two questions that tactically, and you can think of them as philosophical questions, but they need to be tactical. But the, the, the philosophy behind these questions or underneath these questions are the key to creating high trust. The first question is, how are you doing? And it's not the blow-by in the hallway. It's one-on-one -on -one meetings where you, the leader, are looking into the eyes of your teammate who you are fortunate to lead. They're still your teammate. When, when, it, when a team wins a national championship or a Super Bowl or an NBA championship or whatever they get, the coach and the players are celebrating. They're all a part of the team. So even though you have authority, you are a team member and you must treat them as such. And so the value comes in when you begin to show the value and you're asking them, how are you doing? How are you doing? What's your stress level? What's your confidence level? Hey, I know your wife just had you guys, you just had your baby or you're about ready to have the baby. How's everybody doing? You got everything set? How can we help you in that first week when you bring baby home? Whatever that is, it is just personal in nature, but it is a leader realizing first and foremost that you are not leading a business unit of production. You are leading a person. How are you doing? This is 
Again, not prying. The more you ask this question, the more they will share. They're not going to share a lot the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time. But this becomes a weekly discipline, leaders. How are you doing? Oh, my kid's struggling in school, and it's causing a lot of stress at home. Okay. Listen, by the way, leader, you don't ask the question, how are you doing to solve everything? There'll be times where you can step in, and you can add value, and you can help, and maybe take a meal, or create a meal train, or give some extra time off, or or whatever. But, but it's not so much that you're trying to solve their personal problems. In fact, that's not the goal. The goal is to, to know how they're doing so that we can get real buy-in. That's the key. And, and 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 when we do that, all of a sudden, they begin to trust because they realize that you care about them. The second question. First one is personal. How are you doing as a human being? I hear you. I empathize with you. Show you compassion when I can. Encourage you. They know that you care. They begin to trust. Second question is professional. What can I do as your leader to help you win in your job? Is there something you need? What can I get for you? What can I do for you? Need some additional training? Whatever it is. Now, again, understand that they're not going to answer this question probably in its total clarity right out of the gate because, again, they're going, is this, what's going on here? They're not used to this. They're going to be protective at first. But the more you ask the questions, and we're talking week in, week out, month in, month out, let me tell you what happens. The trust grows. This is huge. And as the trust grows, your influence grows with it. The more they trust you, the more influence you have to lead them, to point them, to pull them forward. And so this crisis of trust is real. But the only way to bridge the gap between low trust and high trust is leaders, you being intentional to get to know What's going on with your people? How are they doing as a human? How can you help them as a professional? It's that simple. It's crazy how the trust will absolutely grow exponentially. And that's the key to winning and winning big. Don't overcomplicate it, folks. Leaders, if you got low trust, you can change it all by leaning in with those two questions every week with every person that you lead. Hey, high school seniors and parents of high school seniors, it's almost graduation time. And if you're not sure about next steps, I want you to listen to this. Coding skills are essential in today's workforce. And my friends at Bethel Tech can help you start a new career really fast and do it cheap. It only takes nine months to complete a Bethel Tech course in UI, UX design, full stack development, data science, or cybersecurity. And your young person can get over a thousand hours of experience in a collaborative environment and then get placed. The average starting salary for a junior developer is $66,000. And the field is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Software development is a career with an enormously bright future. And right now, Bethel Tech is offering you 10% off if you watch or listen to the Ken Coleman show and you pay cash. So go to BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman, BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman right now for details. Terms and conditions do apply.
Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. If you're joining the program, you can help us by telling people about it. The way you do that, if you're watching on YouTube, click that little like button, that thumb up button, uh, subscribe to the channel and share. And then uh, if you're on your podcast app, we would love a follow, a five-star review, and a share as well. Let's go to Orlando, Florida, where Matthew joins us. Matthew, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well, sir. How can I help today? I'm calling because I left a job that I really enjoyed to save my marriage. And when I took the get clear assessment, it popped up as one of the recommended things. So I'm trying to figure out how Mm. to navigate the um, get clear assessment. Well, I don't think it's the get clear assessment. I think it's navigating what was going on in this job that you love that was threatening your marriage. That's the issue. What's going on? Um, well, nothing really. It was just a very stressful job. Um, my, my, it was in law enforcement, and that takes as, as much of a toll on the family as sure. it does on the person in it. And I didn't want to put my wife through all that. Got it. So I decided to leave and join the go towards a um, technology job. Hmm. Okay. So what? So the uh, assessment, by the way, never recommends a career. These are just ideas. That little section. I actually fought with the team about taking that section out. It's called professional possibilities. And what we're yeah. doing there is we throw out ideas to get the brain going. But but it, it the thing that and I'm I'm saying I fought with the I had to fight with the team. But I was like, look. I don't want people to take those labels and this kind of call happened where you go, uh, I love being in law enforcement, but due to the very unique nature of the work, plus the environment in this country right now, I a hundred percent agree. I don't understand it fully because I can't, cause I've not done it, but I can see how that would be amazingly stressful. And, and so you had to choose family and ultimately your own health too. And, um, that's sad, but I understand it. Um, but that doesn't mean that you're just limited to that kind of work. So what we have to do is, um, we would look at what you loved most about law enforcement and, and we we, wouldn't walk through this, but what we want to do is we want to take the elements of what you did, uh, the elements that you enjoyed. And then we go, where, where can I do similar work like that? It, a very different environment, right? But How do we take the elements of what we loved about it, the results of the work that you care about, and find that somewhere else? So let's go through your assessment results because I think it'll help you answer those questions of the elements. But we'll walk through this together real quick. So give me your assessment results. What were your top three talents? Um, Instruction, organization, and justice. Instruction, and organization, and justice. Okay, and top three passes. The first three, folks, if you're new to the program, this is what Matthew does best. Uh, Passion, top three things you love to do, the type of work you really love. Analyzing, protecting, and finishing. Hmm. I'm already getting different ideas. And your missional result, the result that motivates you the most. Efficiency. Yeah. And what, what were you doing in law enforcement, can I ask? I was just a standard deputy. Standard deputy. Okay, so here's what's interesting. The things you're best at uh, are instruction. I mean, showing people how to do something. Um, very gifted with organization. And you have a high, high ethical 
uh, thermometer. That's what that's what the talent of justice is. You you just know what's right and what's wrong. You know what should be done. You just get it. You ju- you just have the talent of right and wrong and and the strong strong ethic there. Uh, do you agree with these results? Yes. Okay. Same thing on uh, passion. You're really gifted at breaking something down, uh, looking at it from every angle. Is the analyzing the protecting is what you love. That's where justice justice and protecting match up. Um. The instruction and analyzing matchup, because you look at something from about five, six different ways, you measure it twice, cut it three times, you understand it because you analyze it so well, and now you can instruct somebody how to understand it, how to do it. Um, and then the finishing lines up beautifully with organization. Uh, you enjoy doing something the right way, crossing the I's, excuse me, crossing the T's and dotting the I's, correct? Yes, sir. All right, and then, boy, you, when something is done with efficiency and excellence, you're a happy guy. Yes, sir. All right, so you're not limited to law enforcement just because it was one of the professional possibilities, and the reason that popped up is because of the protecting and the justice side of things. But there's so much more there. Um, and, I mean, you could, listen, you could be in project management. Uh, you've got leadership and management all over this, just your style is going to be different than other leaders. Um, You know, I see a lot of possibilities here because here's what it boils down to. You're supposed to be spending most of your day using the talent of instruction. That means you're spending a large part of your day instructing. It doesn't mean you're a teacher. It doesn't mean you're in an elementary or high school classroom. It just means you're an instructor. You're a teacher. You you teach something, show something, train something. That's 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 really where you're at your best. The organization piece is 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 supporting that instruction, um, and and I think doing it the right way, doing it for the right reasons comes into play there. Um, so the protecting again, uh, the passion side of thing is is you know maybe maybe you're in the academy, maybe you're training future deputies. I'm not limiting to you to that. That's just an idea. So now that we've walked through that, what's going through your head and heart right now as you listen to me walk through that? I understand where everything's coming from. I just, I always feel like a part of me wants to go back and what because is I enjoyed the job. What did you enjoy most about it? The camaraderie and the protecting of just, protecting people yeah you knew you're out there making the world a better place stepping in in the moment but here's yeah. the deal how do we solve for that if your wife is stressed out all the time worried that you're not coming home that i'm not sure of okay well i'm sure that there are other ways for you to do that and i i think you got to get in maybe the business of some type of training you know I don't know if it's firearm training, if it's safety training. I don't I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's maybe moving over to the fire department, you know, uh, EMT where you're protecting, you know, you're going in and, you know, I don't know. Um, but I think you've got to open your mind up to all the different ways that you can feel feel that camaraderie, being a part of a of a tribe where we're in this together to go out and, and keep safe, you know, to protect and serve, if you will. Um, I think there's multiple ideas 
Have you thought about other ideas that, that would have that element of the camaraderie? And then you know you're making a difference in protecting people, keeping them safe, or keeping them from harm. I have. Um, I'm, I'm currently in the field of technology. At, I work at a local high school as the IT person for the high school, and I'm in the process of going to college for cybersecurity. That, to me, is one I'm, of the ideas I had, cybersecurity. Yes, I plan on doing that after I get out of debt. Well, my friend, I like that path. Because guess what? It has all these elements. All these elements to it. You're protecting. You're getting after the bad guys, keeping the bad guys at bay, protecting people's fortunes, their their life savings, whatever it is. State secrets. I think that's the play. I think you'll feel very fulfilled doing that. Okay. And and I, I like that. I'm not saying that's the path. I'm saying that is a path. You know, mm-hmm. but again, being a firefighter, uh, moving into the ENT, like in that that social, like protecting, serving the greater good. That's who you are at your core, and I hear that, and I and I love that about you. And I think that going forward, you just need to ideate, figure out what does it take to get qualified to do that. How long will it take based on my debt? And you're going to come up with a plan. Thanks for listening to the Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.